Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our culture with the good news of Jesus. In this episode, we discuss the influence of celebrity culture in the church with the rise of celebrity pastors and the dangers of embracing this growing movement. Check it out. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. My name is Dan. And we are excited you have joined us. We are going to talk about something that we hope you care about. We debated long and hard about whether or not people actually will care about this subject. But we thought we just started a podcast and we're going to be celebrities here in the very near future. So why not talk about celebrity pastors? And specifically, if you've been following any of the news or social media, you will know that a prominent New York City Hillsong pastor, Carl Lentz, was found to have quite a quite a rap sheet, shall we say? Rap sheet, yes, <laughs> quite a comprehensive rap sheet of um, behaviors and dispositions that are not necessarily ideal, suboptimal in the pastoral role. Um, Sub, so we will be suboptimal. Yes, they bring my business lexicon into this, so. Um, and then if you stick around to the end, we're actually going to talk about, Pastor Dan will tell you why you should or should not tell your kids about Santa Claus in our personal preferences section. Brace so, yourself. Yes, brace yourself for that. So we just want to jump right into this whole conversation around around Carl Lentz. And we know Carl Lentz is not necessarily the only pastor who's ever fallen in terms of the, the idea of a celebrity pastor being a really prominent um, not only nationally but internationally recognized pastor who is a pastor to celebrities but then also a celebrity themselves. They become um, people that pe- that uh, followers celebrate, listen to, and really follow in the same way they would follow um, some of the people Carl Lentz ministered to, like Justin Bieber or Haley Bieber and, and stuff like that. So Yeah, and typically, you know, they are well known because they have some public platform, whether it's a specific size church, it's a specific location, uh, or they have written something that is controversial or well known. Uh, they've made TV appearances. Uh, and so, really, they become famous not necessarily because they're successful pastors, but because they have some um, wide audience in their communication. That's right. And yeah. the, in Carl Lentz's specific case, he was pretty prominent on Instagram, on Twitter. We actually, in our New York Minister Network Network Conference last year, we, we had him speak to the, the pastors of our of our network here in New York. So um, an author, um, pretty well, well-known, and for most part, well-respected until it all kind of came crumbling down. And so we want to talk specifically about why this would matter to you. Um, why talking about a celebrity pastor has any impact on your life if you're not following them, but the the potential traps and uh, dangers of the celebrity pastor and putting our hopes and faith and trust in in people like this and to help Pastor Dan mitigate some of these issues whenever he's a worldwide celebrity thanks to the salted podcast so it's like a it's like the trajectory is like a rocket ship you know that's right i mean we had some friends who tried to warn us now don't do a podcast because <laughs> are, are are your hearts prepared 
and I guess we'll see. Yeah, right? that's hilarious. But so, what's the big problem, right? The first, the the first thing we want to do is outline the problem. And really, obviously, one of the problems is if you have a massive celebrity pastor who preaches uh, the gospel and represents really a church that also represents Jesus. Um, the, one of the major problems is a massive reputational damage to the Christian faith and specifically to the person and work of Jesus. When, um, especially in Carl Lentz's context, he is in New York City, a very secular post-Christian environment, and he was very prominent in a lot of social issues. Um, and so the question then becomes for people as well, what is this Jesus thing all about? This is their their main representative, and he's caused massive reputational harm um, as they've detracted from saying, well, here's what Jesus actually does. The gospel does actually transform people and someone's saying that, but in fact, it has not. Yeah, and I think it might be worth noting that the real big problem is the impact it has on real people like the minister himself, uh, the quote-unquote victims in the exploitation and the, um, uh, you know, we'll say the power that uh, has been exercised over somebody who may be a follower in terms of moral failure and so on along with his wife, family. So when we're talking about what is the problem, we're talking about what is the problem that it creates publicly. Right, right? correct. I think yeah. that might be worth pointing out. Um, and then obviously, along with the reputation damage to the Christian faith, uh, rightfully so, outsiders fortify their reasons for cynicism about the Christian faith, about the veracity or the sincerity of a Christian if even their leaders turn out to be, in their minds, frauds. Right, and specifically the ones who are probably preaching against a lot of the stuff that they end right. up doing. And how can you publicly go and, and say that regularly around the world? And and then we find out all of these, these skeletons in their closet, or people in their mm. closet, not necessarily <laughs> skeletons in this case, but... Um, so. Literally half-dressed people right exactly so um and that's i know if you're a christian and you're listening you probably know someone who doesn't necessarily put their faith and hope and trust in jesus and probably a lot of that has to do with the way christians behave and how there's a level of perceived hypocrisy Mm -hmm. and um, in this case that perceived hypocrisy is very real and it's very damaging and um it it kind of detracts from the rest of us who are trying to say, yeah, we sincerely believe this and we sincerely are, um, we have our issues and our struggles. Um, but this person is going beyond that saying, yeah, I have issues and struggles, but I'm going to preach about all this stuff, but then also actively live a completely different life. Yeah. In which case onlookers, not even just critics, just neutral onlookers have reasons to believe that this faith is, uh, not only is the minister hypocritical, Christians hypocritical, but this message is ineffectual, right? right. And if it weren't, uh, if it's so transformational, why didn't it transform the actual messenger who believes it so deeply that they've given their lives to getting that message out? And it, and it's right. it's reasonable. It's a reasonable objection. It's a good question. I think one of the articles that um, we read recently about this, the the one non-Christian writer said when they're looking in on someone's life like this, like like a Carl Lenz, for example, they're not seeing anything that 
represents any sort of different way than they want to live. So mm-hmm. there's there's nothing compelling about the faith because they're saying, well, when I see your Instagram, when I hear what you're saying, and then this information comes out, there's no real transformation that's happened. And so why would I give my life to a church, a church family, a set of um, beliefs that doesn't necessarily actually change the way yeah. I live. There's nothing compelling about it. So. Yeah. Again, a, a reasonable argument. And, uh, and really, I think you can approach this whole topic, you own know, two different ways. Um, there are really two sides to see this. Right. Yeah. Um, how would you, how would you approach one of those sides? Yeah. So I think one of them, the one extreme, the one extreme end is you just say, I'm going to stay out of the public view. Right. If you're, a, if you're a leader or you're, um, a pastor uh, of a local church and you're maybe even potentially gaining some prominence. Maybe you're good at what you do. You're a good preacher. You, you have a great church and people start to recognize you. Just, you just remove yourself from the public view altogether. Mm. Um, you don't necessarily be active personally on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Or, um, just really kind of be safe, wise, um, maybe, you go to some certain extents, like maybe Billy Graham, who says he had the Billy Graham rule where he was not in a, never alone with a woman other right. than his wife, right? So there's there's all these things you can do. You can really safeguard yourself and go all the way to one side. Hmm. So stay out of the public view in any way beyond when you have to be in the public view. Yeah, your formal right. role where you're preaching or teaching. Gotcha. And, yep. Um, so then there's another side. Right. Yeah. And and what's another way to look at it? Yeah. I mean, the other side is I think a lot of the tension that we all encounter is there's certain people that um, that need to be reached, and culturally we are called to engage our culture and contextualize the gospel, and and that looks different ways for different people. Right. If you for Carl, in Carl Lentz's example, right, he's very very fashionable, very trendy dude, lifted weights regularly. And so he was reaching, and he looked like the people he was trying to reach. So he was contextualizing himself and the church and the message of of, of the gospel where he was. And so, um, and then the other question is, well, okay, well, the other the other side of the question is, well, there's there's celebrities like Justin Bieber who need to be reached. They need to be pastored. So if you're going to pastor, who's going to pastor them, right? right? Someone needs to pastor them, and can you do that without kind of becoming a celebrity yourself? And so that's the the other. Ex- end of the conversation is contextualization then it's reasonable to believe that without without immersing yourself in that pop culture it's impossible to reach that pop culture right yeah that would be the the assumption going into it right Mm -hmm. so and paul says paul says um in the new testament i've become all things to all people that i may reach some Right. right Uh, he is pressured by one religious faction to avoid eating meat sacrificed to idols. And he basically says, I'll do just about anything short of sin to reach people who right. are eating meat sacrificed to idols. Right. right. Exactly. So, so he, um, he definitely describes this view that it, you should be compelled to engage the culture. At the same time, it's, if the culture is so dangerous... If the culture is so poisonous, if the culture is so um, enticing, loaded with unavoidable temptation um, in all the different ways that it is, then the other side would be stay out of stay out of the culture, right? right. Preach, yeah. teach, uh, write your books, um, travel around, do what you're doing. Uh, so I can see those two uh, sides. Um, 
So when we look at this pop culture and we see these, uh, this problem emerge, uh, we're not stranded and stuck. We don't get stuck with this, with this view saying, well, here are two sides. It's gridlock. The rise and fall of celebrity preachers is a, um, it's just a necessary evil. We have to learn to live with it. It's not really the case. We can change the way we look at it. Right. God actually provides us a lot of clarity on on what he says. He doesn't specifically mention celebrity leaders, but there's a lot of celebrity leaders in the Bible that we can see that, that there's a lot of great principles that we can draw when we look at Scripture. And so um, what what's the first one that you can you identify? Well, the first one that comes to mind is that universally, this is always true. It's always true that God's work, his mission, we'll say his focus or his objective, it's always above and beyond the human hero. The human hero is never the pinnacle. The human hero is never on the pedestal. The human hero is never the end of the story. Um, So it's so vital um, for us when we're looking in from the outside at, at, at our culture especially when it's related to the way that the church is functioning and church leaders are functioning. Humans are always only the messenger about the hero. They're never actually the hero. So to the degree in which the human becomes the hero, it's not God's work. So that's universal. Mm -hmm. And then historically in God's story, the human hero is always humbled. Um. You know, if you spend any time reading the Old Testament, and and really, it's worth reading, just in terms of seeing what God does with these human heroes, it is fascinating to see how fast and how far some of these heroes fall, and how often God either allows it or brings it um, to pass because he is trying to make known something or someone beyond the hero. Right. And so these heroes are never held up in the Old Testament as um, really uh, worth following necessarily. Right. Um, now, I can't, I can't, that doesn't always follow through in terms of, I mean, look at the New Testament. Paul describes the criteria for church leadership, and there's all kinds of moral um, in, integrity uh, character uh, criteria that qualifies someone to be considered for church leadership. Um, but it isn't because that particular person is the hero, right? right? It mm-hmm. is basically, I think, as you pointed out earlier, it's in order to try to prevent the message uh, being repudiated or um, the reputation of God being stained right. by a character that doesn't hold up with the responsibility. Mm-hmm. So universally, God's work is always beyond the human. Historically, uh, human heroes are always humbled by God. And then personally, we should give, the way we look at this is that we give Jesus alone our adoration, not a hero on earth, not a person, not a minister, preacher, teacher, um, celebrity, anybody. So we give Jesus alone our adoration, but to the leader who falls and fails, and to their family, we give grace, right? Right. So there is, um, uh, and because public leadership is withering, right. public leadership is so 
incredibly lonely. That pedestal up there on the top is so small. It only really has room for you and the closest right. loved ones. There is, uh, uh, there's a, there's an immense amount of pressure. There's an astounding level of isolation. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why it becomes poisonous yeah. at that level. So to the minister who's failed and their family, they get grace. Uh, but they don't get my adoration before right. they fail. Right. And uh, the celebrity, the celebrity world's bad enough when you look at yeah. when you look at the sycophants and the yes men that are right. that's, that surround just celebrities, and you add the pastoral, the spiritual aspect of it, where oh, man. you add in l- layers of of honoring this person that God has called in that position, and then it's just a, it's just a, it, it's hard to empathize because we've never actually been in that situation, but. To be able to well speak for yourself. Well, yes, that's true. So tell it's us quite about a your whirlwind. It's quite a whirlwind. This this it's celebrity I lifestyle. Had to, I had to book this podcast through your PR rep, so <laughs> it was quite an ordeal. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the fantasy world. Um, yeah. But it's a it's a it's hard to empathize with those. It's it's easy to get really judgmental as a as a follower of Christ and say, "How could you yeah. do this? That's you exactly destroyed right. our faith." It, people were people are going to be far from God forever because of your hypocrisy exactly and um, it's difficult to empathize it's really easy to judge um, because so, it's matters but a Christian can face this and this is kind of goes hand in hand with what the way that um, God helps us see this personally in terms of adoration to Jesus and grace to the to the kind of the fallen hero and that is how do we face this problem as as Christians right if you're listening to us today and you're you're a part of the church family uh, even beyond our own local church family here, you're, you're a Christian, a part of the church. How do we face this problem? We start by praying for public leaders. The, the, right. the, the statistics that have been gathered recently about the failure and falls of Christian leaders is astonishing. The level, the, the, the number, the sheer volume of Christian leaders who claim that they are facing anxiety, stress, depression, um, you know, and not just and not just some of these Christian leaders who are failing morally, but you know, could we even in, in include those who are ending their own life? The right. the, the the level of suicide um, casualties in, in Christian leadership has also kind of caught our attention recently as well. Yep, it's pretty. Um, the the weight the weight of leadership is is heavy, but the weight of spiritual leadership as well, and trying to actually in in these cases, like maybe Carl Lentz case or even like a Ravi Zacharias who after he he died some things came out about his life the weight of feeling like you're the representative for the Christian faith in these culture wars and in these these theological wars and these academic forums and it's a it's a heavy weight to to carry and so praying for them that that and also easy targets a big easy target that that causes a lot of damage and so there's people who are interested in bringing those people down but also um pretty big targets for um spiritual warfare as well yeah yeah that's exactly exactly right so pray for these public leaders um in fact i would i would prefer i would prefer to pray for them more than i actually listen to them or or let me put it it's probably more reasonable to say this pray for them while you're listening to them right pray for them as you're listening to them if you are right um, when you think about them, um, reserve judgment and and um, uh, just pray for the fact that they're on un- unbearable and unprecedented pressure and scrutiny, including their spouses and their and their kids and so on. Uh, the other thing that Christians can do in facing this is is 
and I think, I mean, this, this is the true for every area of our faith, but just use discernment. Right. Pray for a divine dose, uh, we'll say, for a, a, a memorable Christian community term, a double portion of right. discernment, yes. right? Uh, um, what might be controversial about this person? That's a great question to ask. What might be controversial about this person? And and you know what I do? And I think this would be helpful for, for really anybody. Google up and try to understand the main critiques that their critics are making. Right. Doesn't mean you're doesn't mean you're being critical. Doesn't mean you're buying into it. But learn what their main and I mean credible critics. Sure. Yep. I don't mean Twitter trolls. Yep. Um, and what you'll find is a lot of these celebrity leaders have critics who are scholars, right? who are widely respected, who are professors, who are um, theologians and scholars. I mean, so, right. you know, and I don't just mean critics from like t- late night talk show right? Um, or what Joe Rogan thinks. I mean, literally there are, uh, there are critics that are worth acknowledging and right. understanding what their criticisms are right. and whose primary intention is to protect the church and the yes. reputation of Christ. There's exactly. a lot of outside critics Perfectly who said. are not interested. They're interested in a great news scoop or maybe the, yes. the interesting social, the yep. social cultural implications, but they're not interested in protecting the reputation of the church. And there are people who are interested in that primarily above everything else. And so being able to, to, to take that, criticism and critique and and digest it not just accept it wholeheartedly but exactly. to, to use the discernment perfectly said yeah and so um so that's one way to face this problem and of course by facing this problem you know and we're not saying how do you help the church leader the celebrity preacher uh how do you prevent them from failing right, right? that's not we're, we're talking about the problem that is created by being a part of the hysteria the right. problem that is created by being a part of their groupie crowd or their, their, their followers or kind of propelling them with your own engagement. That's, yep. that's kind of what I mean when I say, how do we face this problem, right? right? So pray for the person themselves, use discernment. Um, and another part of using discernment is inspecting their teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, avoid celebrity preacher pain and suffering personally by inspecting their teaching because there is a good chance that a portion, a good deal, some part in, in, in some way, shape or form, what you're hearing on a regular basis is humanism, prosperity, gospel, motivationalism, new age. I mean, there is just limitless uh, ways in which what you're latching onto and what you're hearing from somebody is um, really poisonous. In a lot right. of ways, yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of times, it's what you see on Instagram is is what is reflected in the shallowness, maybe, of what they're teaching and preaching. And so there's a there's not a lot of depth. Right. There's not a lot right. of really deep meaning and meat to chew on. It's sure. it's kind of like a it's the fast food of right of theology and teaching and so maybe like a cool ranch bag of Doritos. Of yes, yes. I don't want to impugn fast food. <laughs> Doritos. That's good point, right. Yeah. Good point. So, yeah. Popeye's chicken sandwich. Uh, also discerning character cancers, right? Just, just having moments of sobriety where you take in the real possible. And I don't mean with judgment and, and anger. And I just mean with some level of sobriety, um, really discerning, are there character cancers that are obvious that I'm missing vanity, right. 
narcissism, um, you know, some perhaps character uh, defects that if you just pray, listen, and watch with some sober-mindedness, there are some cautions. Right, and a lot of these are pretty evident. I mean, Carl Lentz is a perfect example of, if you were to follow any of his social media or anything, it's generally about Carl and about Carl without in- shirts on, and you know and what an influencer, he yeah, is. what an influencer he is, and um, and so it's a it's the it's the combination of discernment and then also kind of making sure that you're you're seeing are, what's that character cancers that are showing up and saying, well, is this person a self promoter or are they just promoting right. the fact that they love Jesus yep. and, they want, and want to invite you into their lives. And that's kind of hard to, to discern sometimes, but in some cases you look back and it's like, oh, wow, how did I, how did I not see that this person right. was a raging narcissist? That's so true. That's so true. Uh, another way we can face this problem is just to search our own heart, right? If we uh, ask ourselves questions, good questions, insightful questions, probing questions like this, what's feeding my appetite for this person? What literally is feeding my appetite? And we might discover with a moment of honesty, a desire to be in the cool crowd just by association. Right. We don't, or we've got FOMO and everybody's following this person, everybody's listening and everybody's somehow celebrating, uh, quote unquote, worshiping this person and we don't want to miss out. Right. So we search our own heart. One way to search our own hearts is this when a celebrity preacher fails or falls or ends their own life, would we be just disappointed? You know, obviously would be um, devastated when someone kills themselves for obvious reasons. Right. But, but in terms of that minister being gone, that Christian leader being gone, are we disappointed or are we literally crushed? Right. Yeah. Some of the things that, um, one of my heroes was Ravi Zacharias. And so when that, when Ravi died and then my other guy, I love Tim Keller. He's, he says he's got cancer and I'm like, Oh, how's the Christian faith going <laughs> to, it's over. Christianity's <laughs> yeah. over. And so, you know, so there's actually a level of sadness in there where I, I love these guys. I love who, what they've, the, the things that they've spoken, the things that they've written about and they've helped transform my life. And, point my heart to Jesus. But the question then I becomes for me is, okay, have I created a celebrity in my mind, even though they, they may not actually be out there, you know, biceps firing and, (laughs) you know, in their speedos and stuff. Ab show. That's right. Yeah. But, um, but have I made a celebrity out of them just in a different way? And am I genuinely devastated thinking, well, how's the church going to do it? Right. Right. Without these two fallen humans sure like there's this level of despairing that yeah. that goes into it and that's again that's what i mean when i say just uh with some level of honesty in a in a, in a heavy um i think unction and urging by the holy spirit uh being honest about what happens when they fail and fall if they do mm-hmm. um would i be disappointed or or so far um uh, so deeply crushed so yeah. So there's some um, biblical principles that we can apply to this problem too. And I think that uh, this is going to also help a Christian kind of not just uh, see the pop culture a specific way, but also uh, help with transforming the culture in a certain way. Uh, Starting with this, that 
at all costs, we avoid celebrity worship because we already have someone we're worshiping. Right. So it's impossible to adore a Christian leader and also adore Jesus. It's impossible. Right. Uh, a house divided against itself, um, you know, um, uh, there should be no other gods before me. And, and really it has to do with what level of affection and treasuring of this celebrity uh, do we have. And, and if we are worshiping Jesus, it'll never be too much. The, 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 the level of adoration will never be too much for, right. the, for the celebrity leader. Um, I think, secondly, looking for humility. Um, uh, looking for, uh, or I'm sorry, look for humility, <laughs> looking for humility, look for humility. Um, are there signs of a biblical view of yourself? Yeah. I think one of the things in this humility is when we look for humility is the, the idea that not only we're we looking for humility in other people, but we're looking for for potentially humility in ourselves when we think humility right is not even thinking less of ourselves it's just thinking of ourselves less and so when we are per, when we are perceiving people that we want to follow are are they demonstrating humility where they might be really good at something and they might warrant spending a lot of time listening to and engaging with but at some point a really true truly humble person it's not about them it's it's not about how good they are. They don't think less of themselves. You can just tell that they, they're propping other people up. Right. They're giving other people a platform. And, um, and and you're looking for signs then of this particular leader demonstrating a biblical view of them, their own selves, right? right? Um, that, that seems so obvious. It's almost like it's it's uh, redundant to say right. it. Yeah. Or I should say maybe not redundant, but it's self-evident that it's, right. it's hard to it's hard to explain, hard to um, see why that should be mentioned. And then, and finally, be alert to, and, and here we are after a whole kind of podcast being maybe critical, uh, but not intending to be critical, rather being alert to both the problems, right? Having discernment, but also not going so far as to really becoming critical and self-righteous. Right. As if, this particular celebrity preacher is a sinful, has a sinful heart and has idols that are evident in their life and deserve our judgment and condemnation because we're so set apart, right? right. We're so high and, and pure that, that we don't have any to confess ourselves. And it reminds me, as always, as Jesus is teaching about, before you spend a whole lot of time condemning someone else for the speck in their own eye there is a lot of soul searching that we do so that we're discerning but not self-righteously critical right yep and all of that helps us i think uh, in the long run uh, apply some biblical principles um, seeing this problem through the through a worldview that um, helps us not necessarily uh, not be a part of the problem uh, but also not get snagged and ensnared in the problem right when we when we act with discernment, when we are looking for humility, we're looking for um, we're looking for transparency. It kind of helps us because we can propagate the issue if we start sharing all of these celebrity pastors with everyone we don't who doesn't know Jesus in our lives and our circles of influence. And then, so if we haven't done the the work of discerning and and salting our perception on these people, then then we've just magnified 
the problem. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with having people that you, you like and you say, yeah, that I've recommended Tim Keller to dozens of people and Ravi Zacharias to dozens of people. And I think one of the hard parts is the, the gospel message being, yeah, these are great people. You should listen to them, but listen more about the person that they're talking about, Jesus, right? <laughs> right because right. these... If they fail, never mind. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. exactly. Yeah, that's perfectly said. So let's talk about something that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. And this is, it brings my heart joy because we're going to talk, we're getting a personal preferences section of our podcast. And today, Christmas is almost upon us. I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but for us, Christmas is almost here. And one of the things we want to talk about is the personal preference of, do you tell your children about Santa Claus? And I'm interested because I have a (laughs) father of a year and a half old daughter and the question we think about is what traditions are we going to have in our home around Christmas and does that include this jolly old Saint Nick? Saint Nick. Uh, If you're listening presently with your children in the room, now's the time we're going to give you five second station identification so that you can empty the room of your children. Let's be honest, your kids are asleep if they've been in here listening to this. That's true. Um, well, that's a good question, and I think that there's two ways I'm going to answer this. Um, obviously, we have four kids. My wife and I came upon this um, this uh, uh, question early on with Kaylee when she was um, little enough that we had to decide what traditions are we going to celebrate and elevate in our home together. And somehow, by God's divine intervention, both my wife and I were kind of in sync on this early, and I can see how this could be a major issue, which is, in our home, are we going to celebrate and elevate Santa right. in the Christmas season with our children, or are we not? Let me start by saying, I don't have any um, convictions about Santa right. being sinful. Which is why this is the the personal preferences section. That's right. <laughs> it's just personal preference. Although the church lady says, if you're careful to rearrange the letters of the word Santa, you do, you do get oh, the yes. word Satan. That's right. Just the church lady says that. Well, we should reconsider the direction <laughs> of this podcast now. <laughs> so here's the here's the two main issues that that we were um, that we had discerned. Number one is how were we going to be able to elevate Santa? as the hero of Christmas to a little heart that is by default materialistic, by default would celebrate, adore, and worship Santa, who would obviously be elevated as the reason for the season. It's a Santa season. Right. And at the same time, try to communicate to this little heart that he's not the reason for the season, that... He, in fact, is a secular figure, metaphor, maybe based on some Christian traditions, but that, in fact, he's not the hero of the Christmas season, that, in fact, Jesus is the hero right. of the Christian season. So so we didn't necessarily believe that we were going to be able to have two heroes in the heart of our little child. So we decided that if we elevated Santa, we were going to have to be kind of running from behind trying to say, and also Jesus, right. and also Jesus, right. and also Jesus. Don't forget, and also Jesus, right. right? So what we decided was if we did Jesus first, 
He's the reason for the season. Uh, and we just basically ignored Santa in our home, that they would get a heavy dose of Santa anyway right. in our culture. But that in our home, there would be no doubt who the hero of Christmas is. Right. So what that means is that this, I don't know, I hope if there is somebody who's a biblical counselor, maybe you can email me some therapy uh, questions here. But we basically just ignored Santa in our home. We didn't do gifts from Santa. We didn't talk about right. Santa. We didn't. So we didn't. And in fact, um, we did tell them as early as we could that other kids believe in Santa, and we would appreciate it if they didn't weigh in on that. Right. Yeah. Um, they would appreciate that. In fact, we basically forbid them to weigh in on that, right? Because we didn't. We didn't talk about Santa. Right. Uh, you know. And if they asked about it, we just said we do Jesus. So to finish explaining Santa Claus. What we did was we taught our kids the story of St. Nicholas. So we even kind of tried to sanctify Santa, helping them see the origin of Santa came from the work, the missionary work and generosity of a gift-giving St. Nicholas in Europe. So that's how we kind of um, dealt with their questions about Santa. And that's how we um, basically helped our kids understand all of the excitement over Santa without being a weirdo which is important i think <laughs> yeah. yeah and and that story is historical uh non-fiction so right. you, you get to teach them history church history and uh, saint nicholas is a phenomenal story there's tons of great material on the story of saint nicholas so um so we ignored santa in terms of um, the gift giving thing right fantasy and uh really hit it i think more concrete with uh, some historical origin right and so you don't have to go around telling everyone no don't or telling your kids don't ever talk about santa claus yeah. we can't watch this movie because it has santa claus and right. you can embrace the you know the seasonal idea of santa claus and all of the trappings that go along with it without making santa claus the hero by him right. putting presents under your thing under your tree and um, making all your wishes come true yeah so, and and obviously we didn't want to make santa the bad guy, you know, or, or, or somehow force our kids to, um, feel somehow, uh, uh, to look down or scorn those, um, families and other kids who did, uh, celebrate well, the big guy. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Uh, Pastor Dan has ruined your children's Christmas if they're Santa Claus believers. Again, this is our personal preference section. So if you want to inject Santa Claus into your home and celebrate him, then you are more than welcome to do it. I think our only recommendation is keep Jesus the hero and help point your kids' hearts to Jesus in whatever direction you end up going. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us talking about celebrity pastors, talking about Christmas celebrities, and we will catch you next time on the Salted Podcast. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you can get notifications whenever new episodes come up. Thanks for listening.